The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk, WNRI, 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host, John DePietro. All right, here we go, folks. Welcome to lunchtime on, uh, well, it's definitely his historic day. This is John DePietro. We start weekdays at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online. Visit the new website, DePietro.com, where you can listen live or on one of your uh, various listening devices, whatever it may be. This portion of the John DePietro Show, folks, is brought to you by Propane Plus. Remember, for all your propane needs, they would like to be your propane supplier. Two locations, Rehoboth and East Greenwich, call Propane Plus today at 401-885-4209, 401-885-4209 for Propane Plus. Now, um, we're going to talk to Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right now. He covers Rhode Island. But just in case, you know, you're just putting on the radio and you've been hearing and the president was going to speak, President Trump did address the nation last hour, short time ago. And just to give you an idea of what's happening, um, I'm looking at some headlines. Stock soar. President Trump basically, let's make a deal. President Trump announced that it would certainly seem he came out. He was at the White House. He did not take questions, very solemn, with the, the Joint Chiefs of Staff. But uh, the president said that it would seem that Iran is standing down. There were no American casualties last night. He re- reiterated that Iran must not be able to receive or obtain uh, capability for a nuclear weapon. President Trump said he would like to seek peace with those that want to seek peace. He, you know, again emphasized, we have the strongest military in the world, but it doesn't mean you have to use it. So in case you're wondering, all of this talk about war with Iran, it is true last night. They did fire some missiles, which the president says was paid for by the past administration. Uh, But he wants NATO to get more involved in the situation. He would like to uh, de-escalate the situation. He'd like the, your, some of the, our European partners not to be trading with Iran. Re- Iran is still a problem. It's been a problem for a long time. The president, in many ways, has inherited this problem. But going down the path where we give them billions of dollars and then they're chanting death to America, that doesn't seem to make any sense. But right now, even though they did fire missiles last night, there is no indication that the United States is going to retaliate. So that's, to me, the fact that the stock soar, it seems to be the right tone. And then we'll see where it, it goes from here. But, um, and so that's what, it, we, you know, we took out their general after they took an American life at the embassy. And then as a result of that last night, they did fire some missiles. There were no American casualties. The president does want to impose more sanctions on Iran. But this sounds like the process of... Let's try to come up with a better formula and understanding and working relationship with this country. Because the current path we've been on, where they have all these proxies and all this other fighting, is certainly not, not um, working. So President Trump, Iran must abandon its nuclear ambition. So that is the latest. Now, folks, joining us right now, he covers Rhode Island for the Boston Globe. And we want to say good afternoon to our friend uh, Dan McGowan. Good afternoon, Dan McGowan. Good afternoon, John, and happy uh, or happy New Year. Yeah. It is happy New Year. Now, uh, you know, Dan, it's a world event, and it's the President of the United States, your reporter, uh, that just spoke last hour. Uh, did I miss something? Is that, 
I think, uh, is that, would you say, a fear depiction of what the president basically said and where things stand right now? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right. I mean, all the, uh, the coverage that seems to be, and if, you know, if you watched him, him deliver his speech, I mean, it appears as though he's saying that, that Iran is, is going to be is standing down. Um, sounds like there were, no, uh, there were no victims yesterday, uh, at least American uh, victims. And, and so, uh, and, and you're, you nailed it. I mean, I think the, the stock market's doing fairly well, so there's some stability there. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, look, this is a tragic time. In a, in a, uh, you know, no one ever likes to see any sort of military conflict, but but so far it does appear to be so good for for President Trump and for the country. Yes, and I I think I mean that's kind of what he went into office on. I think that's what Americans that's what we we want. We certainly don't want another war in that part of the country. But um, if this is the takeaway. If the final takeaway is they attacked our embassy or through someone they did, took out that American contractor, we strike back and take out that, quote, general, Soleimani, then they're able to, they fire some, some missiles into an Iraq, you know, base that's huge, supposedly. There's no American lives. If, if that's it, and now it's, let's try to work with NATO, let's try to work with some of our European partners, let's try to, you know, de-escalate and bring the situation down, I... I mean, I think that's, under the circumstances, I think that's the best-case scenario that we could ask for. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And by the way, I mean, look, nobody likes to bring politics into everything, but let's face it. Uh, you know, you're you're heading into an election year. Um, President Trump does not want to have a war on his hands while he's running for re-election. And I think a lot of the folks, particularly the folks, um, you know, who are who are Trump's base, particularly in the you know the middle part of this country, um, you know, you, you want to show some strength, and you want to. I'm sure there are plenty of people who are who are very pleased with 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 what's happened so far. But certainly, escalating it and, and going further and, and potentially having a war on your hands is not something any president. President would no. ever want to face during a re-election no. uh, campaign, and so this this looks like it could be a best case scenario. Yeah, it is. All right, now Dan, let's talk about you have a very interesting story because now, since that seemingly is underhand uh, or under control, it sounds now as if the uh, the Democrats in the Senate may now shift. Or we're still waiting to see what Nancy Pelosi is going to do. Um, but uh, you have an interesting story that if Congressman Cicilline is chosen as one of the people that would basically present uh, the impeachment case in the Senate, uh, that you, you had an interesting conversation with someone that did that when it was, it was Bill Clinton, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a great read in this morning's Globe. Oh, well, thank you, John. Yeah, I was really excited to do this. The, the, the former governor, uh, I'm sorry, the current governor of Arkansas, Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson, he's a two-term governor, very popular down there, um, is, uh, was in Congress when President Clinton was impeached. Remember, President Clinton, of course, was from Arkansas. And I thought it would be a great conversation to have with, with him, who, who was on the impeachment team. He was an impeachment manager, in fact, prosecuted the obstruction charge, um, that, that part of, of, of the, uh, the impeachment effort in the Senate there. And, you know, I wanted to hear from him about what it was, what the experience was like. And, and a lot of that's in the weeds. It's, it's very much like your standard trial. Uh, the way he compared this was uh, the, House, the House voting for impeachment is like a grand jury indictment. And I'm sure we're going to talk about grand juries later on. Um, and, and then the Senate trial is like your standard kind of criminal trial. Um, but, what, you know, one of the things that was really interesting, here's a guy who's a Republican who uh, 
uh, you know, obviously believed in uh, and voted for President Clinton's impeachment. And his takeaway was that that this is not a, um, you know, does not need to have and should not be an overly or overtly political, um, you know, conversation. He says it's about facts. He agreed with the Senate's decision in that moment, uh, at that time, to, um, uh, to acquit President Clinton. He said the country bounced back, showed its resilience, and he said he thinks that's what will happen here. Um, I thought it was a really interesting, you know, we talked about so much of this divide between Republicans and Democrats. Well, here's a Republican who said, you know what, we, we tried our best. I believed in uh, the impeachment of President Clinton, but the, the, the system worked out, and he, he, he thinks in this case the system's going to work out again. His advice for uh, David Cicilline, if David Cicilline is in fact named an impeachment manager, was to just focus on the facts, make your case. And one of the really interesting points that he made is he said, You're not, you can never get there. You'll never get the Senate on board without the American people moving in your direction. And if you play politics too much and you don't make your case um, in a compelling and, and accurate and clear way, you'll never get the American people to move kind of where they are right now. I think what he was talking about is, of course, polling, right? If you suddenly started to see 70% of Americans that wanted the president to be impeached, I think the Senate would, would, would take a very different look at it right, uh, than, than they are right now. But, but currently, you see, uh, you know, uh, in the House, the Democrats and Republicans split right down the middle on this, and, and, and you know, no one, no one switched sides in any way, um, with the exception, I think, of what, the one Democrat. Um, and so, and so I, I think in his case, what he's saying is unless you get there, unless you get more people on board, you're probably not going to have an impeachment. So it's an interesting, or, or a conviction, it's an interesting little conversation, and it was nice to talk to him. I thought he was just, I thought he gave, he gave me plenty of time to talk with him about what it's like. He said, he said people asked him for years, every single day, somebody had an opinion on whether or not he should have been an impeachment manager for years. Uh, and he said that's what you can expect. But, again, didn't stop him politically. I mean, it, you know, goes on to be a go uh, the governor. Uh, you've had people, Lindsey Graham, of course, went on to be a senator. Uh, the, the now current chief justice of the Florida Supreme Court was a member of that impeachment team. So politically, um, it, 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 it's very high pressure, but it doesn't necessarily hurt you going forward. I think you also, um, and folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. I speak with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Um, the great article, worth a read. Um, but I, 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 as I read, read your story about it, um, I mean, you're talking about, to me, Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline, I, I think that's exactly who they would want and who, who would want it. And B, Hutchinson was one of 13 impeachment managers. Uh, you're talking about Congressman Cicilline, certainly um, through, you know, he, he's a better communicator because of all the times of doing cable news, doing all the interviews. He's the far more visible. I've always told politicians it's something you get better at by doing it. He's done it. He's gotten better. Plus... As you know, he has experience as an attorney. What's the difference? Well, you know, uh, Congressman Landrin was never an attorney. So, and, and this is not a type of, if he has this role, it's not in any way going to impact whether or not he gets reelected. So I think I would be very surprised if he's not chosen because he has been part of the Pelosi leadership team. He has the background of an attorney um, and, and he wants to do it. He's polished enough for it. This would be an opportunity of a lifetime for Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline to be in the spotlight as one of the impeachment managers. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I'll tell you though, you know, I talked to him last, to the congressman last night, and he very much, uh, you know, he, he doesn't want to put the pressure on, at least not publicly, um, to the speaker uh, either way. Um, and so, so his kind of position is he, he thinks that, uh, Majority Leader McConnell should, should, you know, set the rules so then they can send the articles of impeachment, all that kind of thing. He didn't quite want to venture into, of course, he's not denying that, that there is some interest. Um, but one thing that was brought up to me, I didn't include this in the story, but some, somebody mentioned this to me. I thought it was an interesting point. The one thing, because I think you're right, I think this is an opportunity of a lifetime. There's zero political risk to, to David Cicilline uh, from Rhode Island for, in doing this. Certainly Rhode Islanders are on board, and certainly Rhode Island Democratic voters are on board. Um, but one thing that you, you have to remember is, in David Cicilline's eyes, certainly in Jim Langevin's eyes, on the Democratic side in the House, they've done their job, right? They, they can say, they can look in the mirror and say, we impeach the president. Uh, it, it looks like this is a, a, a virtually no chance of, of being a, having a conviction in the Senate. And so it's entirely possible that some of these more ambitious Democrats in the House say, hey, we, we did our job. Uh, we're not going to go into to this, uh, you know, and just fail. We, you know, we'd rather just say we impeach the president. And so I thought that was a different perspective. It's an interesting one. I still tend to agree with you. I mean, if asked, there's no way you can turn it down. No. I would be surprised if, if somebody like David Cicilline, who's so out front and yes. so, uh, you know, loves to be on television, I'd be surprised if he, if he wasn't sort of behind the scenes trying to grab this job. And, and not, he doesn't want to come out publicly and say it. But, uh, you know, let's, let's just be honest. This is, if you're him... This is history. This is career-making. Uh, I'll go even farther. You become A-list invite at Washington parties. 100%. You walk in. Everyone knows who you are. This is fundraising. You become known coast-to-coast. Coast. Uh, you're going to have that moment. You, you're the top guest on a morning Joe or Rachel Maddow, whatever. This is, we haven't had anyone like this in a long time that's had this type of opportunity. And, and I think there's no downside to it because then even, I, it seems like it is not going to happen in the Senate, but with him and his crowd, he would be cheered. He would be, he gave it the try. He was right. Um, I, I would be very surprised if they don't select him. So let's go to, um, you know, uh, uh, your colleague, um, Ed Fitzpatrick, uh, he was first with this story on the witness list, and it really jumped out at me. I was somewhat surprised it didn't get as much play with some of the other media, maybe, and this happens I, to the listeners. I want people to understand that sometimes when one media outlet breaks a story, the others try to downplay it like it's not such a big deal. That's just kind of inside baseball, but Dan McGowan's laughing never, in those. I, I, I've never done that. Oh, my God. Everybody, they all do. Oh, that's not a big story. Is that a big story? That's not a big story. But anyhow, this is a big story. I mean, the fact that the witness list uh, has, uh, and this is the upcoming money laundering trial with uh, former campaign operative Jeff Britt. You have have Speaker Mattiello, but what really jumped out at me, Dan McGowan, is not only is Leo Skenyon his chief of staff on the list, Leo Skenyon had a visit with the state police, and just to make sure everything was going to be the way they wanted it to go, he brought along former Democrat chairman, current spokesman. He's always on television. I see him all over the place still. Uh, he seems to be a better communicator than, than uh, Joe McNamara. But he brought Bill Lynch along with him, whose brother was the attorney general. He was the former chairman of the, of the party. And then they're meeting with state police. That's pretty significant. It is a who's who of Rhode Island, but it's, it's really Team Mattiello between Jerzyk and Jake Besant 
and um, and then even Lynch himself, and then even Cicilline's brothers mentioned. So, but the the Skenyon thing really jumped out at me. No doubt, I agree. This is one of those stories where the headline, the the sizzle, kind of uh, uh, is there, but so is the stake. Because you're right. It's on one hand, it's there. There's no question that there's a bunch of major players and, and names that uh, that your average Rhode Islander would know. Cicilline being one of them. Uh, you know, Mattiello, of course, being one of them. But you're exactly right. I mean, number one, this is the first time that anybody knew that that. The chief, the, the, the chief of staff, Leo Skenyon, um, to Speaker Mattiello, um, actually did in fact speak to police because we know he did not appear in front of the grand jury. Right. But he, he spoke to state police the week that Jeff Britt was indicted. Yeah. Um, and so that's a significant development. There's another significant development that, that has been played, um, has been underplayed, I think, which is one of the players in this case, a, a guy who's, who's relatively unknown named Victor Pachette. Yes. Uh, uh, investigative guy, like a private eye sort of thing, uh, got immunity in this case, which the, that was the first time that, w- that we learned this from these court documents. So uh, you're exactly right. I mean, this is a significant story. Uh, and by the way, it, it's also interesting. I, we always trained to, to learn in, in, in whenever a trial's coming up, you always want to grab the potential witness list because there's always interesting names, you know, if it's a compelling case. But this is relatively early. I did not think we would see a witness list uh, uh, for the Jeff Britt potential trial um, for for months and months and months, and to see all these names and for it to hit the day before, I mean, it, it was in some ways luck because it was actually filed last month. But we we found out about it just this week, and it, it you know it was I was at the state house yesterday. It was the only thing anybody wanted to talk about, both uh, well certainly behind the scenes, but even even coming up to the reporters, it's the only thing that people are talking about in the state house right now. Oh yeah, I I know Vic Bichette. Uh Back in the spring, I was at a there's a bar restaurant in uh it's actually in warwick but it's on the east greenwich line called the safe house it's right next to the trap and i look to my left and who's there vic bichette years ago when i was on hjj he actually used to advertise his security store with me he had a uh, security store on on post road what's also interesting about that is is brit is the one that brought him in on the circle so the fact he got immunity um i think that's telling the fact that you guys reported leo skenyon that the speaker's chief of staff question by the state police, and then Britt then gets indicted from that. And, and you can't lose sight of the fact, Dan McGowan, you know, Britt said, or his, through his legal counsel, he's not going to be a fall guy on, on right. this whole thing. And, and then you have Brad Default with the checkmate communication, Matt Jersick. Um, that's, that's, you know, a pretty interesting um, witness list. But, but the, the, the speaker's inner circle, you know, it also comes back to Dan McGowan, is I've been hearing from a number of different people that coming up, in the spring after this session that Leo Skenyon, there was a rumor out there during the holidays that he's stepping away and lo and behold suddenly we find out he was he was questioned by the state police and, and even had Bill Lynch represent him when, uh, or with him when, when he was being questioned by the state police. Yeah, a couple of points here. Uh, uh, one, uh, the basic way to say this is, with the exception of, of Mattiello, who does not appear, has talked to uh, the state police, uh, everyone else uh, that was involved, at least at a high level on that campaign, from the people who were, in fact, even lower levels, uh, people who were basically knocking doors and doing mail ballots, all the way up to the real strategic people, the, the Leo Skenyans, the Matt Jerzyks of the world. Um, obviously, Jeff Britt ends up getting charged. I mean, the, that entire campaign, um, uh, at least all the players, 
you know, were, have talked to the state police, have, you know, some of them, there's one person with immunity. I mean, this is, this is a really, uh, it's a large statement about, um, uh, about what happened here. Um, and it, 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 I think it again raises the question, and this is something that if it goes to trial, I think it will be one, even more so than any verdict will be interesting about, you know, who, who knew what when, because everybody's kind of played a little bit dumb so far, and they've tried to say publicly that, you know, this was, this was Brit acting rogue, and, and certainly uh, in this case, it appears as though lots of folks were talked to. Now, of course, nobody else was, was um, you know, charged in any way, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think this is a, this is a significant deal. Uh, you mentioned Leo Skenyon, um, and I, I tweeted this last week. We've heard the same rumors that, that Leo would either would not be coming back as yep. the chief of staff or, or would potentially quit after the session. I actually asked the speaker when we sat down with him for his, for, uh, his uh, end-of-year interview or year preview, and he said definitively, he couldn't have been more clear, he said it is absolutely untrue. I even said, what about next year? And he said, no, he, he is going to be with me. And so that was at least what he said publicly. Uh, of course, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see uh, what happens from here. Yeah, during that campaign, Britain Skenyon were thick as thieves. Uh, one was always with the other. And it's also, again, the Globe reported, Matt Jersick, he appeared in front of the grand jury. Brad Default appeared in front of the grand jury. But this, he is, this is not, um, you know, as, as Matt Yellow was trying to initially, when this broke, portray it as almost like Brit was some rogue operative out in the field and who knows what he was involved with. The fact that the state police were questioning the speaker's chief of staff, Leo Skenyon, that brings it right into the speaker's office. And also, you know, I, I, I covered and, and saw and, and actually saw those guys out on the campaign trail. I'm not surprised. Um, now, you guys don't list that Frank Montanaro is on the list. I'm thinking that if he was, he would have been listed. But my understanding at the time was that Frank Montanaro, who was a right-hand man for the speaker, he and Britt were like oil and water. So they did not get along. Maybe you know something differently, but uh, I'm not surprised he's not on the list because at the time, my understanding was that he, he had nothing to do with that. Yeah, very interesting. He's the one guy who who um, is part of that sort of deep inner circle of the yes. speakers that that doesn't appear to have talked to police. Um, if he had, I would be stunned if he wasn't in these court documents. I will say we we named everybody that that you know appeared in the documents, so we didn't see his name. But you're right; it is it is somewhat surprising that he was not uh, that that he wasn't called, with the exception of it potentially. You're right; that oil and water kind of scenario on the yeah. campaign trail, and then just some of the that uh, the whole ballot. King. Um, I, I, um, well, we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. I can see where the speaker would, would want to say to Leo, like, hey, listen, don't worry. You know, you're going to have a job with me. You're going to be fine. But uh, you're right. The, uh, the timing of this at the start of the session yesterday. And I want to lead right into the Boston Globe has an a article today that um, it's, it's interesting. And you, you kind of saw some signs of this where suddenly, and I think this is the influence of the progressives, Gun legislation seemingly is going to be a priority during this this current session that just started. Yeah, and this was a, a huge shift from just even a week or two ago. To be honest with you, uh, John, um, I, I think I think there's a couple of factors. Number one, there have been two high-profile and, and very sort of obscure, obscure but just strange cases. The Westerly shooting, of course, tragic. You know, and, and, and you know, guy who 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 uh, it, it would appear as though probably shouldn't have had a gun. Appeared to have. I think the Journal reported he lied on his application, uh, and then this 
even more bizarre case in, in Pawtucket where it appears as though someone got their hands on, a, you know, a, a, either a 3D printed gun That's or right. a ghost gun. Um, and so I think the, the issues in the moment sort of force this, but you're exactly right. I mean, if this, it, it, I think if the legislature, the legislative leaders, the speaker and the Senate president, um, you know, had full confidence and didn't fe- weren't feeling a little bit of pressure from some of the progressives in the state house, um, they might not have taken it up. So I, I think that it's a combination of the issues that have played out recently mixed with the politics there. You know, I think what they can say, um, you know, when they go back to, you know, Speaker Mattiello made it very clear yesterday in his speech, you know, he says he's a Second Amendment rights guy. You know, what, what he can do when he goes back to the Second Amendment rights people, when he goes to Speaker Murphy, of course, who, who is a lobbyist, um, uh, for for those groups or for that group, uh, you know, he's going to say, look, this is common sense. You can't be printing your gun or, or, you know, that sort of thing. This isn't addressing any sort of, uh, uh, you know, real kind of rights infringements. And I think that's the way he would justify it. But it's going to be interesting because you, you start to open the door for that. You know, remember, these hearings every year, they come up, they're seven, eight, nine, ten hours long and there's emotional testimony, uh, it shows you, you know, people can kind of move things. I mean, it, it almost helps, unfortunately, to have a tragedy kind of mixed in between. It, it does. And you could kind of see it right after what happened uh, both with, with Westerly. The, the, the shooting at Pawtucket is, is also interesting. But the, the Second Amendment crowd, Dan McGowan, now they'll tell you, I mean, they get up in arms any time that there's any type of restrictions being put. And then this just opens up the door and, and then some of the progressives want to go even farther. What, what I am uh, anxious to see is there are certainly rumors floating around that Mattiello once again could have a challenger and his district in Cranston as much as he may seem unbeatable and and it is because of his stance with the NRA and because of he's seen as a moderate Republican but his district in Cranston that's the the section of Cranston where President Trump did the best if he breaks off and and you know someone very very strong with second amendment I, I think that could open the door in, in weakening some of the strength he would have in his own district. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think the speaker, it doesn't matter who it is, I think the speaker um, always faces the risk of, of being vulnerable. The reason being is that it's the only legislative race, even you know, we haven't really seen it, at least not lately in the Senate presidency, but the speaker's job is the only one that's going to get uh, statewide television, uh, uh, you know, news coverage. It's going to get journal coverage. It's going to get coverage from the Globe. We're going to talk about it a lot. And so it's very easy to make that, you know, that small district a, a very statewide race. And so I think all the attention that gets played to it, certainly there, you know, if you, people who want to spend money and potentially take out a major player, uh, it's a reason why years ago when, when Gordon Fox, despite being extremely strong on the, on the east side, still got a, a legitimate challenger from a random independent candidate in Mark Binder, right? It became right. a race that was, uh, that was bigger than the, the, the you know, the, the, the divide of the district. And so I, I think you're right. I mean, I think the speakers always, always faces that shot. You know, and look, the, while he can always tout his sort of, you know, uh, fiscal uh, conservatism and, and, and certainly on gun rights, He's still, at the end of the day, a Democrat in a district that that votes overwhelm, voted overwhelmingly for Trump and will likely vote overwhelmingly for Trump again. And so you always face in, in a heightened turnout potential election. Uh, you uh, these little things. Uh, I hate to say little, but 
you know, specific issues can really change the scope of a race. Yes, and you are going to have... You're talking about a mayoral uh, race this time in Cranston, so you're oh, going to yeah. have Republican turnout there. You're going to have Republicans turning out for Trump. And the backdrop, we don't know when this trial with Brit is going to be. Um, you know, things are getting delayed, so it doesn't seem like it's going to be this spring. But it, the, the, the Brit money laundering trial could end up, I mean, it could be September, October, just as the speaker's up for re-election and all of his campaign people from uh, four years ago are going to be trotting out there up onto the stand. I, I think, you know, it could be a perfect storm of just enough to weaken him because you would have Republicans coming out to vote, uh, what's going to be playing out in the courtroom. And then that, that one of the things I have heard um, from a number of different Republicans and others that have supported him has, is because he's been a very strong Second Amendment uh, supporter. If that starts to weaken, and they are very black and white, you're either with them or against them. If that starts to weaken, um, the support he has received from them could really start to erode. I also want to ask you, Dan McGowan, and again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Someone else that I um, am anxious to see, and, um, I, and I watch how they're evolving because I, I'm a fan, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's our current Attorney General, Peter Narona. I thought he had a very good first year in office. He is involved with this potential legislation that would be changed. He's very purposeful. He is very thoughtful. Uh, he's very, very open with the press. He has a reassuring way. I think this could be a big year for him with some of the legislation that he feels is common sense that he wants to get through. Well, yeah, you know what he is so successful at? And I think it is, honestly, in part, the office that he holds um, in, in, in his reputation. And in, in certainly if you have a good reputation among the press, it sort of reflects that way in the coverage. And, and then it, that's how people think of it as well. Uh, you know, what he is, uh, what he is very good at it is kind of being that sort of just the facts kind of guy. He's not an advocate. He, you would never call Peter Narona a, a progressive. You wouldn't call him a conservative either. You just kind of call him the attorney general. Um, and, and so I think you're right. I think he's smart. He picks the right issues. Right after a, 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 a you know an older woman is killed in Pawtucket, this is a you know for, again politically it's a no-brainer to you know call for the end of uh, of ghost guns or or 3D printed guns. The truth is there aren't that many out there anyway, and so it, it, it's almost a, it, it makes all the sense in the world to shore up your own support, and it doesn't actually, you know, get everybody riled up on the other side, not as much as other bills, it still will, but uh, I think you're right, I think he, he has an interesting way that he can he can uh, play here, and he's not, he doesn't come across as, as just doing it, you know, for politics, even if he does support further gun, you know, gun control bills, he can use the you know, I'm a former U.S. attorney. I've I've prosecuted gang members, and 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 I've seen what this what this you know, type of crime and what guns can do. It, it makes a lot. It's a, it's a lot more compelling than it is from say the governor, who who very clearly you know is out there. She she believes in it, but but is very clearly seeing that that you know the democratic political uh, view is to be anti-gun. Um, before we let him go, just two other quick stories, folks. And again, we'll speak with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Boston Globe has the story. Link Chafee announced, and he did it this morning, uh, this time running again for president, this time as a uh, 
Libertarian, what, what are your thoughts on this, uh, Dan McGowan? I mean, other than I, I think the coverage and, and highlighting um, just the whole move to Wyoming, what he, he perceives to be an opening, uh, it, it's, um, it's something we just, I, I've never seen it before. I, I don't know what to make of it. At first, it, it kind of, you know, the last time around, it kind of gave a laugh. This time, I, I don't know what to, what to make of it. Yeah, you know, I'm sort of with you on this, John. I, I mean, I think that there's no doubt that it deserves to have attention paid to it. Look, he's a former senator and a former governor. Um, he deserves the attention, you know, for the, hey, he's running kind of story. Does he ever gain any traction? I know there, there's some sort of inner Rhode Island Twitter talk about, you know, does he take away from a, a progressive candidate on the Democratic side? He, he, he has to really, really uh, uh, make a showing. He has to be treated seriously. One of the things he complained very uh, a, a great deal about um, in his when he ran uh, back in in 2016 in his you know brief campaign as a Democrat was he couldn't get anywhere uh, any sort of coverage. I remember he is, I think my, my colleague now at the Globe, Mark Arsenal, wrote a, a profile on him just yep. spending the day with him. And he, he was, he was really, really frustrated that he couldn't get on, you know, George Stephanopoulos just to even talk about where he stands, even for five minutes. And I, I think, unfortunately for him, he, he sort of has this reputation where I think people are, roll their eyes a little bit, whereas, you know, Four years ago, I mean, the, the Libertarians were able to get 3 4% of the vote. Uh, they still didn't get a ton of coverage. They weren't on the debate stage, but they organized very well. I'm just not sure that Link Chafee is going to be able to grab 4 million votes uh, uh, in, in, in this election if he is, in fact, the nominee. And, and, and in fact, I question, I know he's by far uh, the most... If we if we use political experience, he's by far the most qualified candidate of the many candidates that want to run for, you know, president under the libertarian banner. But I do wonder will he actually even gain the traction enough to win the nomination? Because he just he doesn't strike me as someone who who can grab hold of an issue. Um, and I know he, he, his big thing. I, I watched his his uh, introduction today or his announcement today, and he talked a lot about war and, and anti-war, and that makes sense. Like that's who he is. And, you know his his record does show that he he in fact probably some would say he deserves plenty of credit for that but I, I just don't know that the message will stick no. um, all that broadly yeah and I don't th I don't even think damn God, I don't think he wins the I don't think he's the libertarian candidate because he is you know listen you know we evaluate these people he is one of those people to me it's kind of like a clay pal when you when you look at their resume on paper former governor former senator former mayor the chief name has the money. Then they open their mouth. When I first saw Clay Pell, I'm like, wow, the Pell name, uh, Air Force, uh, excuse me, um, Coast Guard, married to Michelle Kwan, worked at the White House. I listened to him speak, and within two minutes, I'm like, this guy's not going anywhere. I saw former Governor Chafee back in the spring. I ran into him and Stephanie at a hardware store. They had just arrived. Again, when you see them, nice guy, but when he gets up there... He has never lost. He just, he has this nervous way in giving a speech. I know he feels that, he, you know, the war is his issue, but that Bernie Sanders has claimed that mantle. I, I don't think he gets the libertarian, and, and it's different from, you know, say what you want about Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson was far more no, better known, and he and Weld were a ticket, and Gary Johnson had been one of the first governors that talked about, you know, we wanted to legalize marijuana. 
Chafee doesn't have that. I just, you know, I look at what former Congressman Patrick Kennedy, he has his family, he's in New Jersey, his wife is going to run for office. He is uh, involved and committed with uh, passion projects of uh, Congressman, former Congressman Kennedy as far as mental health and also substance abuse. Chafee is this lurching around the country trying to feel like, aha, this time they have to put me on the stage because I'm going to be the libertarian candidate. And, and I just, I don't, I don't see it. I don't hear it. I'm going to play his uh, speech um, coming up in next hour. You want to give me any highlight? I'd rather, from what I understand, look at some of the comments. Some of the best parts seems to be um, with the, quest, the back and forth with the press, and he got very defensive regarding the metric system. Is that accurate? Yeah, he- he, he did get defensive. He said, he, he, without using the term, uh, he basically said it was fake news, that it was a, uh, that, that that was a major controversy. He says it was kind of an off-the-cuff uh, uh, thing that he said, uh, you know, mentioning a bunch of other things. So you'll, you'll have to play that. I, I'll, I'll, I don't recall exactly. I, I remember him mentioning it and remember it becoming an issue. I don't recall how he mentioned it. So, oh, you, you know, mean the he, first, time, first time around, it was out of the box. It was one of his <laughs> platform ideas. So there's no way to discount that. I, I remember I was watching it and I couldn't, I like to me, I like struck gold. Like Chafee's talking about the metric system. I mean, he, that was the cornerstone. You know, that, well, that's disingenuous is he even said afterwards that in hindsight, maybe that was a mistake. But to say now that that was almost like a fake news thing, that, that is not accurate. He was all in yeah. on the metric system. Yeah, you'll you'll have to play because I mean that's a, okay. he, he didn't use the term fake news, but he, that's essentially so the, the thing that I thought he um, he hinted at, but then he he kind of backed off when he took questions. Was you know he he talked about this idea of of, of legalizing drugs, and he got the exact right question, which was you know we all think okay legalize marijuana, but the question was you know are you talking about all. Uh, you know, all kind of recreational drugs, and he didn't go that far. But then he pointed to Portugal and other places that that do have these sort of sort of universal policies. And so that's an interesting one. But but you, to your what you were saying is exactly right. You kind of when you're a third party kind of candidate, you almost have to become a candidate of an issue, whether yes. it's the metric system or potentially legalizing drugs altogether. Um, and, you, you know, you, you get treated a little bit wacky, but you do get a bunch of attention and you do get millions of followers and supporters who, who agree with you. But he, he doesn't seem to want to kind of jump all the way in on that. So you'll have to play it because it, it's that was the other one that stuck out, this, this idea of, of potentially legalizing drugs. All right. Uh, that, now you have me interested. And you're, you're exactly right. You have to... You have to corner the market on some idea where there's a a, a large number of people out there and for some reason someone's not paying attention to it, such as if no one was paying attention to climate change, but that's not the case because some people are. But I want to go back to, you know, and I've interviewed him before, Tom Tancredo was a congressman out west. Uh, One year, I, I think he ran, this is way back, but he ran on, you know, illegal immigration. And obviously, you know, there's always a number of people where that's going to be a very important issue for them. Chafee doesn't he doesn't have it. And, and not to put you on the spot, but Dan, let, let's, Dan, and folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. Speak with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Listen, even if he were to run in Rhode Island, I don't think he cracks double digits, you know, in Rhode Island. To me, if, if you're running for president, um, you, you have to be, <laughs> beginning with, you have to have a base. You have to be popular. You have to have some sense of people that are with you. I, I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he's going to win the Libertarian nomination. I know he's got the money. I know he wants to do it. And he finally feels maybe he's got his, uh, 
he's got his, you know, party now, or now he's got a chance to get into it. But I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Before I let you go, two things. How can people get your daily mail? But I would be remiss. Any update with the Providence School situation? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I'm working on a story right now with a, a little bit of an update, but actually the the update is there isn't an update. We're still waiting for a superintendent. Uh, we're still, the story that I'm working on, we could probably talk about it next week, is uh, a little bit about sort of where contract negotiations are going to go because they're still, we're talking in the infants, uh, infancy, so, you know, in those stages that we're just not seeing very much. Um, and And so, you know, we expect a superintendent to be named sometime this month, but again, that 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 could be put off. And so, from that front, we're not seeing very much uh, very much action on the Providence School uh, side. Yeah, during uh, Christmas and New Year's, I ran into someone I know who is a teacher in the Providence Schools, and uh, I ran into her at Twin Oaks, and she said this. It started off a little bit of an odd feel at the beginning of the year. She said the school, her classroom, was the cleanest it's ever been. But aside from that. It's, it's a lot of the same types of problems. Everyone took the same time amount off. Things have really seemed to die down. And, you know, they're already gearing up and saving their time off uh, for Martin Luther King's coming up. That becomes a long weekend. Uh, February vacation. You want to get your April vacation extra days. And then, boom, uh, before you know it, it's June and you're sitting at Bonnet Shores. So um, for, for all that talk, it does not seem... Um, well, we'll have to wait and see, because I, I think that contract negotiation thing, you know, as long as you, you have the likes of Bob Walsh in, in the mix, uh, it's only so much you can do. How can people get your daily email that I look forward to and read each morning? Yeah, so every morning uh, I, I write Roadmap. It's called it's called Roadmap, and it, it comes to your email box right before 8 a.m. every morning. You get a little bit of original content from me, some sort of new reporting. You get all the links, the best stories in the globe, or other you know hot stories uh, making the rounds, and then a quick roundup of what what's happening today. Where are the politicians? Where you know what's the big meeting at the state house? Things like that. And all you have to do is send me an email at rinews at globe.com. Just a blank email to rinews at globe.com. I'll know what it's for. I'll add you, and you'll start getting uh, Roadmap first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, great job. It's going to be a big year, 2020, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks so much, John. Have a good one. All right, folks, there it is. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Good afternoon, one and all. I know people want to talk about uh, President Trump, and we will do that. Uh, I think some people are actually disappointed. The fact that not, it will not be World War III. No, it's not going to be that. Uh, the president doesn't want to get involved with anything like that. Let me say good afternoon to everybody on Facebook Live. Cicilline never worked. That's true. There's Sean. He's not a policy libertarian. He doesn't. He doesn't fit the bill. Sean Sullivan's right. He's not by policy a libertarian. He's not. Uh, there's Drew Jordan. Great speech by the president this morning. And everyone else will defend it. He is exactly right. Um, Ayatollah's regime is offering free food for the funeral. That's why there were a million people at the funeral. What does that tell you about how the country is doing? All right. Good afternoon, everybody on Facebook Live. Folks, we're going to open up the phone lines. 401-766-1380. 401-766-1380. Senator Ted Cruz is really going out in, on the, uh, the offensive now, saying that it was, in fact, money from the Obama administration that paid for those missiles. And that, as you can imagine, has uh, the Democrat Party uh, on their heels and they're up in arms about it. How dare you say something like that? But what I heard this morning, I, I like what I heard from the president. For those that feel, no, 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 they fired rockets last night. That means we have to fire back at them. No, it does not. It does not mean that. We don't want to be over there. You know, the president is right. Yeah, we gave them over a billion dollars in cash 
and then they were all chanting, death to America. Uh, they need to be controlled. They need to be contained. There should be more sanctions there, but we are, we're not. I am, I, and I'm glad because all these people are saying, you know, here comes another war. Oh, we're going to be stuck over there. No, we're not going to be stuck over there. I'm going to repeat what I said. And again, you can call me. It's Juan, 401-766-1380, whether you're listing on AM 1380 or listing on Alexa. You just say Alexa, search WNRI or 99.9 FM or on, on Facebook Live, what have you, all the different listing devices. I want to repeat, President Trump was not about to allow this to be another Benghazi situation. They were attacking our embassy. They killed an American. And that became the red line. And he said that. We will protect American interests and Americans. Period. You're not going to take out Americans. Now, former Governor Link Chafee did speak last hour. I'm going to play some of that. That's an interesting platform. He wants to legalize all drugs. He is lost. I, I hear not Dan McGowan, other members of the media that somehow are, are trying to uh, make him, you know, relevant. And he, you know, he could take away, some people are saying he could take away from the, he's not taking away from anyone. He is not going to win the nomination. He's not even going to win the Libertarian. He doesn't have it. That's just the way it is. He's like whatever it may be. It's almost like um, maybe it's, his, it's, it's like Fredo in the, in the Godfather. You know, that's, that, that, that's, you know, that's not the way I wanted it. I, could, I should have been in charge. No, President Trump is doing the right thing. We're not going to. But we send a wake up to the world that, let me just see, President's words so far comport with reporting and others last night. He wants off-ramp from an escalating conflict. Iran gave him a face-saving way with missiles that caused no casualties. Well, you could say the same for them. See, that's like biased reporting for the New York Times. Iran gave him a face-saving way. We're giving them the face-saving way. That, that's not true. There are still extensive questions facing the president, whose most extensive remarks remain uh, to the poll reporter. Striking was threat of economic response term of sanctions given how many they've already been already instead of military response and tying the Iran nuclear deal to funding of missiles like the ones that fired last night. Well, but why, why does it have to be that? Well, this way, you know, Trump is saving face. Well, he's, he's giving the Iranians a chance to save face. We could say, ha-ha, you missed. You didn't hurt anybody and go in there. And all hell could die. They, they gave us if we wanted to. They opened the door. That we could cause holy hell. We're not doing that. God, that is so biased. And MSNBC last night was announcing there were 30 American casualties and it was all false. All false. All right, 401-766-1380. You know what, let me just check because I don't believe, I want to see if um, Congressman David Cicilline last night, you know, he's such a weasel. Uh, here's what Congressman David Cicilline said this last night. May God bless and keep our brave men and women who are serving the Middle East tonight. But he doesn't say Americans. Is he saying brave men and women, Iranians that are serving the Middle East? I don't know. All right. So Congressman David Cicilline on Twitter, nothing. Nothing about the president's remarks. Zero. Silence. You know why? Because that's not what they wanted. 
they wanted and expected Trump saying, start the bombing right away. He didn't take the bait. Nope. The president said, listen, they killed an American. We retaliated. And that's it. But we're not going to war in the Middle East. Period. Boom. And they were all disappointed. And all of this talk of World War III that was trending and a man that's out of control and everything else, all false. All right, folks, 401-766-1380. It's John DePietro on this Wednesday. Hey, I want to remind you, if you're having a plumbing problem, if you're having a pl- problem with your uh, drain or your pipes, call Courts Plumbing of Cumberland today at 401 714-8478-401-714-8478 Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland Quartz Plumbing they'll handle whether it's uh, repair and maintenance all your plumbing needs or a problem with your drain if you are in need of a plumber call Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland today 401-714-8478 401-714-8478 Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland let's go to your phone call 766-1380 766-1380. To the phones we go. Good afternoon. You're up on the John DePietro Show. Hello. John, I yes. agree with everything you're saying, my man. That, first of all, Sicilian's a tool. And MSNBC, I shut all them channels off. I only listen to Fox, that's it. That's right. I couldn't believe it. That was so irresponsible. They were announcing and reporting 30 American casualties and was completely wrong. They're waiting for him to screw up, and he knows he won't. He won't. Trump is too smart for them. He is. That's the right response. Listen, we don't want war over there. He certainly doesn't want to be no, in war no. over there. But what, but at the same time, what I like is he's made a loud statement to the world that, but if you take out an American, then all bets are off. If you right. If you're behind an American losing their life in attacking our embassy, then guess what? There's a drone with your name on it. Exactly. This and is a huge win for us. And the yeah. fact that he, see, the fact that he's letting them, and he is save face, because they're telling their people that they had a massive bombing, and, you know, boy, we showed them, and, and he's letting them do that, that, that yeah. shows me a lot. Good, let them, like, whatever. Absolutely. You know, you know who's brilliant is? Boy, I'm very impressed by our Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. He is oh, the real absolutely. deal. He's he sound like Heinz Ketchup. That's the damn show. Boy, oh, my God. I mean, him. You know what else that I like is this is a good example of, and it can be this way whether it's in business or sports, just because of the relationship we had with Iran under President Obama, that does not mean that we have to follow down that, that same path. Obviously, this wasn't working. The president does not want to be involved in a war over there. But we, we just sent a, a strong message to the world. We are not going to have another Benghazi situation. We have a mighty military. You know, it's uh, be silent or whatever that expression is, but carry a big stick that Teddy Roosevelt said. You know, we, we can be a peaceful nation. But if you blank with the United States of America, then we will unleash holy hell. And that's exactly what we did. We didn't kill a bunch of innocent people. We took out that general and his little goon friends. You know what? He's going to do what he's doing. you got to hit him in the pocketbook. My father used to say that. Hit him in the pocketbook. That's right. Yes. That's it. Yep. That's the bottom line. And before I go, I'm the one that sent you them little uh, pictures with uh, Obama kissing uh, the show in the right range. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're funny. I send you all them little pictures. I love them. They're funny. They are funny. But you know what? I am so glad, and I can't believe 
this is the right tone. This is the right president. It and, is. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a different time with our military capabilities. My God, they had us, you know, they were putting out a, there was a false thing about a, a draft, and we're going to have boots on the ground and blah, blah. There is, we're not, we're not doing that. No they way. Had, they had this guy stop World War Three. They did. Go. They didn't even uh, Chafee jumped down announcing because we're going to go to We're not going to war in Iran. No way. Chafee should stay in the woods where he belongs. He should. What a clown. I'm going to play some of his uh, comments uh, next hour. But you know what? I, I am happy because some of these people, you know, that were criticizing him, and even I'll go even, even like Tucker Carlson, who I, I like him and I watch his program and I've been yeah. on his program before. But. What are we supposed to do? You, you can't, when you attack an American embassy and you kill an American, we can't let that go, you know, just like, oh, well, it, it can't operate that way. And President Trump said, oh. you know, the, the Trump foreign policy is we can be a peaceful nation, we can be a generous nation, but if you come after us and hurt either our interests or one of our, our, our people, you're going to pay for it, and you're going to pay for it with your life. What would they be reporting today? If he let Eminem go last week, and God forbid they blew up our embassy and killed oh, everybody. Oh, my God. Then they're praying. You know, you know what's frightening is, I, I hate to say this, but they're actually rooting for that to happen. Oh, yes. I know they are. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, and I'll tell you, they won't shed a tear if somebody got to him. God forbid, I hope. Oh, my them. God. I don't think so. But you're exactly right. And and this is a warm-up. I mean, we're in January. Let's face it. I don't see anyone on the other side that's going to defeat him no. next November. Hell no. No way. It's not going to happen. And Bernie Sanders may, have, may end up being the candidate. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and, and all these people that are upset, they, they, need to, they need to relax. They need to start to come to grips with the terms that he is not going anywhere. And I think, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in 2024, but, boy, Mike Pompeo is having his, his moment in the sun right now. He yeah. is really impressive. Yeah. And you know what? My energy independent. That's right. What could you ask more? Yeah. What could you ask more? Yep. Come on. No, Trump is not Jimmy Carter. Keep sending me those cartoons. I like them. Folks, next hour, Power Hour. We're going to take your phone calls. It's John DePietro. A lot more ahead. 766-1380. We're going to break, give you the latest with the 1 o'clock news. Uh, stay right here. A lot more ahead on this historic Wednesday.